Genesis chapter 9, reading first seven verses. And God blessed Noah and his sons and said unto them, Be fruitful and multiply and replenish the earth. And the fear of you and the dread of you shall be upon every beast of the earth and upon every fowl of the air, upon all that moveth upon the earth and upon all the fishes of the sea. Into your hand are they delivered. Every moving thing that liveth shall be meat for you, even as the green herb have I given you all things. But flesh with the life thereof, which is the blood thereof, shall ye not eat. And surely your blood of your lives will I require at the hand of every beast, sorry, at the hand of every beast will I require it. And at the hand of man, and at the hand of every man's brother, will I require the life of man. Whoso sheddeth man's blood, by man shall his blood be shed. For in the image of God made he man. And you, be ye fruitful and multiply. Bring forth abundantly in the earth and multiply therein. Well, we're looking, uh, friends, this evening at these uh, few verses. And my title is uh, simply A New World Order. Not like the New World Order that we hear about uh, in some of the new agey uh, kind of things, but uh, the new world that Noah and uh, his family uh, entered into. And some of these instructions which are, f are new, really, for him, and uh, they feed down to us as well. Well, no, the ark has landed, landed safely on one of those mountains in Ararat. The door of the ark was opened, and uh, Moses, Moses, sorry, Noah and his family and the animals uh, descended uh, from uh, the ark. It was safe after all that time, a year uh, in the ark, and now they enter in uh, to that new world. Noah's worshipped his first thing he did when he came down. He worshipped God. He gave thanks to God. After all, such a great deliverance had been granted to him. The rest of mankind had perished. And now we see, even as we think over and look back over what's happened and this tremendous catastrophe that has happened, where well, we are left with answers to particular questions that might have been in people's minds then and are still in people's minds today. Does God hate sin? Will God really punish sin? Does God really take note of unrighteousness and injustices and of uh, violence and so on? Will he really, really condemn people to hell? Surely not. Well, the flood answers that question without any doubt. It leaves no doubt in our minds that this is what God will do if people continue in their sins. And... Uh, the other question, of course, that is asked here could be, but, but if I turn to God, will he be merciful to me? If I repent of my sins and feel sorry for the way that I've behaved and feel sorry for the way that I've treated the Lord, will he forgive me? Is there mercy in, in him? Is there mercy really in Christ? And again, the flood answers that question. On the one hand, yes, all who are rebellious and continue in sin are swept away 
to eternal destruction, but those who trust in Christ, who have faith in Christ, who enter that, that spiritual ark which is Christ, for well, they're safe and safe forever and find mercy in the Lord. So we come uh, now to this uh, 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 ninth uh, chapter, and uh, here we read firstly, uh, God blessed Noah and his sons and said unto them, Be fruitful and multiply and replenish the earth. This is a reiterated mandate uh, from God, uh, a renewed mandate. We had it also in Genesis right at the very beginning, chapter 1 and verse 28. God blessed Adam and Eve, and God said unto them, Be fruitful and multiply and replenish the earth and subdue it. The words are almost identical uh, with that mandate which God gave uh, to Adam and to Eve. And now here it is repeated uh, to Noah and uh, to his sons. Noah is now 601 years old. And uh, we do not actually read of him having any more children. So all the children are going to be through his three boys. They themselves are no young in our terms. They're about 100 years old, but they'll still live to a good age. But, but through them, the rest of uh, the world was to be populated. Through Noah, uh, the population, the world was to be uh, populated. Replenish the earth. Be fruitful, multiply, and replenish the earth. Replenish, that word means to fill. To fill an empty space. The sea, at first, when God created it, was empty. And God commanded the sea creatures to fill them. The skies were empty of birds. <laughs> we can't think of that now, isn't it? The skies or the seas empty. But the skies even were empty of birds. And God commanded them to multiply. And now the earth is devoid of people, apart from this one family that is upon earth. The whole earth, this new world, is devoid of, of people. It's empty of people. Only Noah is left. And the responsibility for populating this new world now falls upon Noah and his, his family. They are to fill the earth. They are to replenish the earth uh, through procreation. And it also includes, uh, friends, uh, a call to move out. It's to replenish the earth. Not, so the, the words there, not just, don't just stay where you are. Don't just stay in one location. Move out into the different parts of the, of the earth. Inhabit, live in different places around uh, this, this world. Spread out. That was a command from God. Sadly, it was a command that was ignored by them. And they tended to stick together. And they'll only be until Genesis 11 comes along and the Tower of Babel, and then they will, uh, God basically uh, moves them out, spreads them out. When the languages come in, and they cannot communicate with one, one another. And those of the same language, well, they have to band together and then they are moved out into other parts of the earth. Well, there's another mandate given to us in the New Testament, which is somewhat similar to this, isn't it? Not to repopulate in such a sense or re, uh, recreate in the, in the physical sense, but we have that command uh, from that mandate from Christ. Just before he left and ascended up to heaven, 
Well, he, he blessed his, his, his disciples, just like God blessing the people here. And he said to them, go ye into all the world and make disciples. And again, uh, he says, uh, said to his disciples that they were to go into Jerusalem and into all of Judea and into Samaria and unto the uttermost parts of the earth. And they were to be witness to, witnesses to him in all these different places. They were basically to make spiritual children, spiritual converts in all the different parts of the earth. And again, for them, even though they were believers, they were also somewhat slow in doing this. You know how it was only when really the persecution came along in Acts chapter 8 that, that then they were almost forced out and edged out and had to leave and take the gospel. Wherever they went, they took the gospel. So they also had to come out of their comfort zone, were brought out of their comfort zone uh, by uh, the Lord. A similar thing, isn't it? Uh, to make converts, and we praise God for the wonderful way now in which there are converts all around the world, those who belong to the Lord. Well, friends, we see from this that all of us, we've not only just descended from Adam, but we're all of us, everyone living today, every human being is a descendant of Noah. Everyone, every human can trace his ancestry back uh, to Noah and his family. And it suggests to us and tells, it teaches us, well, that there is only one race. There are not many races, as the uh, evolutionists would tell us, that there are many different races who evolved at different times and at different places. The Bible here tells us we all came from this one human race. We're all part of the same family, regardless of what we look like or the color of our skin, which we'll uh, talk about in a little, little while. But Acts 1.26 tells us, God hath made of one blood, or, or, or of one man, he could say, all nations of men for to dwell on the face of the earth. What could be clearer than that? You know, we all come from the same uh, family. Well, we all, we, we, we may live in different, and we do live in different parts of the world, and we have different tastes. Some enjoy a particular kind of food. Some find it, you know, uh, 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 put off. Some are, are, are not, are not uh, enamored with certain kinds of food. It's, we all live in different environments, and uh, our culture, basically, this is, we have different thoughts, we have different languages, but we still uh, belong to that same human race. Those are the things maybe that just distinguish us, but ultimately we all belong uh, to the same family. Well, why then, people ask, why then are we different colors? Why are there black people, white people, and everyone in between? Well, according to those who know, know this well and who've studied it, we are, actually we are all the same color. And uh, we, we're all just different shades of the same color. Melanin, which is the main pigment in our skin, well, we all have melanin in our skin, but we're all different shades of that melanin color. And that melanin color is actually a brown color. So we're all basically, according to the experts, different shades of brown. And if you have more melanin in you, then you're a darker color. And if you have less melanin in you, well, then you turn out to be a fairer color. So 
and, and if you're anywhere in between, well, you tend to be more of a, a brownish uh, color. And according to these experts as well who studied these things, well, they say they, uh, probably Noah and his family were of a brownish color. And the reason for that, they say, is uh, because uh, if, if both parents, are the, hus the, the husband and wife, are of this brownish color, well, you're more likely to produce offspring which are either way, where you're a little bit fairer, a little bit darker, and so on. So, and you can, you can look up these things for yourselves, but uh, we are really of the same family, and I just, that's all I'd, I'd say to just introduce and uh, let you think about uh, that uh, subject. But uh, verse 2, uh, this is also something uh, quite new. Uh, the fear of you and the dread of you shall be upon every beast of the earth, upon every <coughs> fowl of the air, upon all that moveth upon the earth, upon all the fishes of the sea, into your hand are they uh, delivered. So when you think of what it was like, the, this is the relationship between man and the animals, and what it was like before the fall. Well, there was no fear between man and the animals. It was, we could say, even the love and affection, uh, a care be between them. There's no dread. Man didn't dread the animals. Look, we, so, we see that with uh, Eve, isn't it? She was so willing to speak to the serpent. She wasn't uh, scared. She didn't run away from the serpent as uh, so many women and men uh, do uh, today. But uh, there were no, in, before sin entered, there, well, there were no ferocious beasts around. Wild beasts, yes but certainly not fierce beasts. And even between the animals themselves, well, there was probably uh, this uh, little bit, uh, th there wasn't any of this uh, fierceness between them before the fall. Uh, but sin changed everything. Sin changed even the relationship of man with the animals. And animals began to kill other animals. And, in most, uh, and most likely, they also attacked uh, men and killed men. This is suggested in verse 5, where the Lord talks about, at the hand of every beast will I require it if a, if a beast were to take the life of, of the man. It suggests that this, these things were happening uh, before the flood. But now, post-flood, well, these beasts, well, they the, the wild ones, well, they still retain their ferocity. Of course, all, not all beasts are, 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 are wild. Many are tame, many are domesticated. But there is this innate, instinctive fear and dread even in animals of men. God has put uh, within, within them now this uh, fear. And this is what we see uh, generally when, uh, with animals. You think of foxes, as soon as they see you, they, they run a mile. Uh, or even the domesticated uh, cats and dogs, lovely as they are, they see, you can sometimes see the fear, even if you approach them in a kind way, you can see the fear in their eyes and they, they, they run away, unless if they don't know you. Even, the, even snakes. Snakes, well, they only really attack if they feel threatened or if they're extremely hungry, which uh, we, you, you do hear of some cases. Even as I did recently, if a, a python in, in Indonesia, you know, uh, swallowing, well, choking, of course, uh, and then uh, suffocating and then swallowing whole a, a, a woman. Well, because basically they were very, very hungry. But generally, these are exceptions. These are 
isn't, doesn't happen on an everyday basis. And it's God's kind way, friends, of creating a safer environment for man to live in, for man to inhabit. God is uh, doing uh, these things. Into your hand, at the uh, end of verse 2, are they delivered uh, before the flood, uh, the animals, and uh, after, the, after the fall, the animals were killed. They were used for sacrifices, as we know, and also uh, for, food, for clothing. But now they're also going to be uh, used uh, for food. But here we read, into your hand are they uh, delivered. They're given to, to men for man's benefit, for man's uh, blessing and help uh, in life. And we, we know this, isn't it? We see this in so many ways. Before farm machinery came in, well, we had horses and oxen who were, uh, were used for plowing the land, and uh, still are in some, uh, some places. Uh, in, 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 in some third world countries, we still see uh, these things uh, happening. We, still, we use animal skins uh, to make shoes, to make handbags, to make belts. Uh, for transport, it's, it's used. In medicine, uh, animals uh, are now used. The development of new uh, medicines. We wouldn't be able, really, to uh, have these new medicines uh, without uh, using the use of, uh, of animals. And apparently vaccines, even, have been made using animals. The mumps and the polio uh, were initially developed using animal cells. So in this way, man has, has been using these things, the animals, and they're there also for us uh, to use in such a way for the blessing and for the, the help of man. And then verse 3 talks about uh, the permission that's granted uh, to man from now on. Uh, God gives him permission uh, to eat meat. Every moving thing that liveth shall be meat for you. Even as the green herb have I given you all things. Before they had lived on uh, the fruit and the veg and the crops of the earth, uh, now they are given permission uh, to eat uh, meat. And there's no restriction. Apart, well, there is one restriction that you look at in verse uh, 4. But apart from that, there was no restriction. The other restrictions were brought in later under Moses and the Levitical law, which was given. And then you know about that that certain animals were deemed unclean and certain clean if, if, they, were, if they chewed the cud and they parted uh, the hoof, well, they were clean. And if they didn't do either of those things, they were unclean. If a fish, certain fish had uh, scales and fins, then you could eat it. Uh, but if, if it didn't, then you had to avoid it. Things like prawns and uh, so on had to be avoided. So there was there were certain restrictions placed upon them, and it was basically to teach the, the people uh, that uh, to teach the people discernment. This is right. This is wrong. This is clean. This is unclean. And it was only ever meant to be a temporary arrangement. And that Levitical law regarding foods, well, it all came to an end at Calvary, when the Lord uh, put an end uh, to the, those things, and. Uh, uh, and so, and, and after that, of course, well, people were free to eat once again whatever they, they chose. Now, a person, if a person chooses to be a vegetarian, that's nothing wrong with that. That's their, that's their choice, you know. Uh, if they're doing it for health reasons, as many people do, well, that's their, their right. They have a freedom 
of course, to do that. No one is going to uh, say otherwise. But if, if people think, well, I must avoid meat for religious reasons, and because it pleases God more, and if I eat meat, and there are people who think like this still, even sometimes believers, if I eat meat, well, it's going to be defiling in God's sight, well, then, you know, I, I, I may go against my conscience by eating meat. Well, th those things uh, would be an error, friends, if we think in that way. It would be a doctrinal uh, error because God here plainly tells us that he has given us the animals for food. I have given you all things. And then, you know, some of the New Testament scriptures, I just mentioned one, 1 Timothy 4 Chapter 3 and verse 6, where Paul says, again, about the last time, some will command to abstain from meats which God hath created to be received with thanksgiving of them which believe and know the truth. For every creature of God is good and nothing to be refused if it be received with thanksgiving, for it is sanctified by the word of God and prayer. So all meats are, are, are open to us. Sanctified by the word of God what, and prayer. Well, we understand the last part. I always used to baffle me. What does that, that other part mean? Uh, that food is sanctified by the word of God. I know sometimes uh, we, we pray, God, sanctify this food to my body. But uh, what, does it, what does it mean? Well, I, I think Paul must have had this particular verse uh, in mind uh, when he was uh, writing that. That he was saying it's basically sanctioned for something to be sanctified by the word of God is to be sanctioned by the word of God. Permission is given and that, so that a person can eat with an easy conscience, even uh, whatever is put before him, unless for health reasons he chooses otherwise. Uh, verse 4, one restriction is placed upon this eating. They were not to eat the flesh with the life thereof, which is the blood thereof, uh, shall ye not eat. They were not to eat, basically, uh, animals with the blood still in them. Now, of course, that's very, very difficult to do, uh, even in our day. And I'm sure Noah uh, also wouldn't have been able to expunge as well all the blood uh, from those animals. But basically, it's, uh, there would still be some, some traces of blood still remaining. It cannot be avoided. But this this uh, command was put in really to teach Noah and uh, his family and his descendants uh, not to uh, be callous in their behavior, not to behave like wild beasts. It was uh, to prevent them from descending into becoming like an animal. Animals eat other animals while they're still alive, while the blood is still uh, in them. And that's their instinct, that's their nature, that's what animals do. But man is not to descend to such a level of bestiality and callousness himself. He, and so this restriction is placed upon him. The flesh with the life thereof uh, is, uh, is not to be eaten. He's not to be cruel, of course, to the animals. Uh, when, when the animals are slaughtered, they are to be done in a humane way. There's be care and concern, of course, for animals in life. But uh, uh, this, this is put in to teach, to teach them uh, to uh, not uh, to descend to such uh, a horrible and wicked way 
of living by even uh, eating uh, food with, with blood still in it. But here this verse, uh, or this phrase, the life thereof, which is the blood, or as it's referred to other, in other places, the life is in the blood. What does that mean? The life is in the blood. Well, life comes from God. We all know that. Not really from the blood. But because, uh, because in the physical body, uh, uh, whether it's a creature or whether it's a human, uh, blood is essential uh, to life. And we all know a person who loses copious amounts of blood, well, they'll, they'll die. But here, blood is the symbol of life. Blood is the symbol of life. Life is from God. And the Lord is, as it were, uh, allow, using blood uh, to be symbolic of, of that life. And uh, so, so this restriction is, is placed upon them uh, eating. This prohibition is placed upon them. Is this prohibition still in place uh, today? Do we still have to uh, avoid the eating of blood? Well, this, since the Levitical sacrifices have now ended, that's, this prohibition is also uh, no longer binding uh, for us as believers. But, but what about Acts 15? What about the, the, the law? What about those rules which uh, the apostles gave to the Gentile church at Antioch? What about them? Didn't they, he say, they, they, the, 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 he advised, they advised them, this was the early church, the apostles, didn't they advise them to avoid eating blood as well as things strangled and fornication and so on? Well, it's true, they did advise them in that way. But again, that was only a temporary instruction for them. Because at that time, the, many of the Jews still haven't come around to the idea that they, they could, uh, that the Levitical law was over and done with. Many were still conscientious about these things. And so to avoid stumbling those Jewish believers, these, those Gentile believers at the church in Antioch were, and other Gentiles were asked to be sensitive to their brethren and not to stumble them by eating um, meat with the blood still in it. So it was only for a temporary time and not really still applicable, uh, not applicable for us uh, today. Verses 5 and 6, when you come to a, a conclusion, is this is also uh, something new and has to do with uh, the punishment and the policing also of the society. Verse 5 and 6, surely your blood of your lives will I require and the hand of every beast, and so on. And then verse 6, Whoso sheddeth man's blood by man, shall his blood be shed, for in the image of God made he man. Capital punishment is here introduced for murder, for the crime of murder. Before, before, the, uh, before these things, be, before the flood came in, well, we don't read of any capital punishment being inflicted. Uh, God, as it were, maybe was doing the policing. Now a lot of the responsibility is going to fall upon man. He has, if he's aware of these things, if he's aware that a beast has taken the life of a man and he knows and or is able to find out and to hunt that beast, well, once it's found, he was to put it, put it to death because it had taken 
the life of a man. If a man had gone out and planned and deliberated beforehand to take another person's life, that's murder. That's a deliberate killing. Well, that man was to lose his own life. This doesn't apply, of course, to manslaughter or other lesser forms of murder, accidental uh, killing, but this is deliberate uh, murder. And uh, uh, God says here, Whoso sheddeth man's blood, by man shall his blood uh, be shed. For in the image of God made he man. The image of God, man is so precious to God. Man is the pinnacle of his uh, creation. And uh, he's made him in his image. He is of so, so much more value than the animals. Man's blood is much more valuable to God than the animal's blood. And if a person takes another person's life, God's, uh, if a man loses his life in this kind of a way, well, God says he will require it. He will investigate as it were. He will, he will take note of it. He will punish it. He won't bypass such a terrible and awful and wicked and horrendous crime as this. But he will mete out uh, the punishment for it. But if the people know about it, it's their responsibility uh, to see that the, the beast or the man uh, is uh, punished. And uh, the, the punishment really fits the crime. Uh, the person had to lose his own life, like for like. And uh, that's why, that's why uh, capital punish, what, punishment is so introduced, it's so horrendous. Don't, we don't, many people today, they think about the criminal and what he has done. And the murderer, oh, but aren't you just perpetuating one crime with another and adding one, one crime to another by, by taking the life of the criminal? But actually, it's just justice being meted out because that person has forfeited. He knew that he would, uh, if that deterrent is in place, he knew that would be the consequence, yet he still went out and he did these things. And so uh, he must uh, pay uh, for his crimes. Well, these laws were to be a deterrent uh, for those times to preserve again life. Again, can you, see, can you see through all these commands God has given, God's care for people, providing, making sure the animals are afraid so they don't attack the people, uh, making sure uh, that the, they have enough to eat and to enjoy of the food that is supplied, and here that people have respect for one another's lives and don't infringe upon those rights that they have to live and to seek the Lord and to have the Lord as well for themselves and then to multiply in the earth. All this is demonstrating, friends, God's care for, for men. And our laws really should reflect these things. Our laws, even in this case, capital punishment, you may disagree with me, but I think it's biblical, uh, even still for today, that uh, capital punishment for murder uh, should be are still very much a part of our law. Anyway, in conclusion, friends, uh, look, verse 7, the Lord again reiterates the, the same, what he said at the beginning, and you be fruitful and multiply, bring forth abundantly in the earth and multiply therein. With great care and concern, uh, God, uh, God has uh, said to Noah and his, his sons and his posterity, uh, the desire made known to them, his desire that they should go about their everyday lives without fear, eating their meat with joy and gladness, enjoying the goodness of God, 
living in relationship with him and praising him and worshipping him, living under his blessing as far as possible, living at peace uh, with one another. Well, may the Lord bless uh, these words. Uh, may they be of help to us uh, this evening.